to continue in our sermon series that Jesus is greater. And um, if you don't notice the theme of today and the theme of really this season is Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than all the noise. And there's lots of noise. And the noise comes from uh, um, media. It comes from um, other churches and Christians. And there's noise everywhere. And it's not hard for us to be distracted, to move from the very thing that's important, the center of all, and that is Jesus. Jesus is greater. So this morning, when you leave and you're like, hey, what did Sam talk about on Sunday? Hey, how was church on Sunday? What did, just one word. Jesus is greater. Three words. Jesus is greater. I don't know if you grew up in Sunday school and you remember kind of the joke that Jesus is the answer to everything, right? Say Jesus and you can't go wrong. It's literally that. Jesus is greater. And if someone's like, but Sam, or but James, or but your name, you know, you put your name there, and they give you, you know, how about this? How about that? Jesus is greater, right? But this theology, Jesus is greater. Awesome. Good. We've established that. We gotta all go home. I'm just kidding. So, I get paid by the word, so I'm just joking there too. That's totally a joke. So, <laughs> oh, man, if I got paid for speed of words, man, I'd be loaded. Anyways, we are kind of continuing in this idea of rest. And so last week, we talked about how we can literally worry ourselves to the point where we rob ourselves of the rest that was promised to us from God. And, and that word rest is fun, kata, kataposis, which uh, literally means calming of storms or the calming of the storm which I just, I love that analogy. I love that, that intentional word that's used here, rest, to calm the storm, and that, that we literally have the storm calmer on our side. Who do we need to fear? What do we need to fear when we have Jesus with us? Now, the purpose of our life, the greater purpose, and, and we can talk about individual purpose, but in general, generally speaking, our life should be... Uh, um, um, should exemplify this idea that we thrive in it. Like we literally should thrive in life. I, I said that really poorly, but understand that, that our purpose is that we thrive and that it's dynamic. Now, that dynamic is like active. It's when Jesus says that I've come to give life and give life to the fullest. That's this active, dynamic life. And so regardless of where we find ourselves or what we do and however you want to define purpose, it should be wrapped in this idea that we're thriving. That should be evident that we're thriving in every situation, mountains, valleys, uh, uh, um, high, low, uh, we're thriving, and that there is a, a dynamic energy, there's a dynamic life to our life. It's refreshing, right? And, and uh, I don't know if you've experienced uh, swimming in a stagnant lake. I remember being a kid, and, and I didn't grow up in Powell River, but um, there is a uh, um, a lake that we used to, not, we never used to go to, the church would go to every once in a while. And, and, and this lake uh, had a thing I never knew until I experienced it called Swimmer's Itch. Has anyone experienced Swimmer's Itch, right? And so I remember like swimming in this lake and then being miserable for weeks after because the lake was dirty. It was stagnant. There wasn't enough fresh flowing water to clean out what was in this lake. In fact, even in, in Coquitlam, if, my, if people, I know there's some people that have Coquitlam connections, there's literally a man-made lake where there's like no water flowing in it. And so you go and this place is packed and, and it is not uncommon that you would see a diaper floating in the lake, right? Like, like we are not diaper water, okay? That we should be refreshing. And, and, and 
and that literally, regardless again of what we're doing and where we're going, that should be the evidence of our life, that we're thriving and that it's dynamic. Uh, a word I use, because I couldn't think of a better word, is effective, that we're actually effective. Have you ever done things and got nothing done all at the same time, right? I'm busy, but nothing got done. That's the, the opposite of effective. Now, in life, generally, we have things like coffee, tea, energy drinks. And if that's you, stop it. That's bad for you. Anyways, energy drinks, okay? And, and sugar, all these things. We, we take it with, with this idea that it's going to give us a boost to be effective, you know? I'm running a little low on energy, so what do we normally do? I need my coffee. That's me, all right? Tea, right? We, we, we take something to, to get that little energy boost. Well, it's the same thing spiritually. There, there's things that we need that boosts our spirit and that affects our life and that gives us energy. We need a spiritual boost. Okay, apparently this is the word boost today for, my, for those who keep track with my hand motions. So as we go on in Hebrews, I, I want to give the background again because I gave it last week, but I don't want to just assume that everyone was there or remembers from last week. So the imagery that the author is going for here is Israel at this point uh, where he's referring to was led out of captivity, led out of slavery with this promise of a land full of provision. It's flowing, whoa, hello flies, flowing with milk and honey, which is actually kind of cool. Anyways, this is the promise. This is the promise of provision. And, and so Israel was led out of captivity, led out of slavery, and now they're wandering in their desert on their way to the promise. And we see when we read the story of, of Israel's journey through the desert, that even though their final promise and destination was one of provision, they were actually experiencing the provision and the miraculous power of God all the way through. They witnessed the Red Sea parting. They're, they're being fed miraculously with manna and then quail and being led by a pillar of fire in the evening and a cloud by day. And so they were experiencing the provision of God, but because all they can see was the desert, and they're complaining essentially because they were a bunch of very, very negative people, they missed God's provision. They missed God's working. They literally answer to what they're going through. And so this is the context. And so now, even though Israel then would find the promised land and go through amazing victories and overcome incredible odds, they still we're not living in the rest that was promised. Now, this is what the author is addressing here in Hebrews 4. So let's start reading in verse 8 of Hebrews 4. And I'm using the NIV this morning. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So that's the context. The context is Israel. And again, if we look at verse 8 uh, 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 and how even though they were there, they did not enter rest. Think of it kind of like this. This is how we can apply it. Have you ever like said the, if only this can change. If only I can change this. And then it happens. Like you literally change that thing. And then a couple days, a week, a month, a year later, you're feeling the exact same th thing as before, even though that thing has changed. Is that ever, you know, if only I can change this, right? If only I can get a new car and so it doesn't break down, I'm going to be happy. Then all of a sudden we buy the new car and now you're like, oh, wait a minute. 
right? That didn't really fix it, right? If only I can just get rid of this person. And now there's another person who's really annoying, right? It just doesn't fix it. That, that's that feeling. That's what's happening here. Even though, you know, I'm looking for the promise. God, where is that promise? Where is that promise? And I've entered that promise. They're still not experiencing the fullness of that promise. That is what the author is saying here in verse 8. Like, if rest was given that day, then there wouldn't be this promise. Now, in verse 9, this is how it's worded in NIV. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, I, I, I understand that, that and, and, and please be patient with me, this is like my passion, not necessarily everyone's else. I'm going to try my best to communicate it. So if anyone's like, Sam, I got some questions, just talk to me after, because not everyone understands or sees things like I do. But now, in the New Living Translations, or more modern translations, instead of Sabbath rest, it has the special rest. It says special rest. And then in, 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 in the NIV, like we just read, or, or in the NASB, kind of a newer, again, another newer translation, it, it says Sabbath rest. In like the King James Version, or even some older uh, versions, it just says Sabbath. It uses all three, three terms. Now, the actual word for Sabbath is literally Sabbath. It's, it's not special. And, and literally in the English language, we just Sabbath, Sabbath. Instead of making a new word, we just took it. Because up until Sabbath was written, we didn't have an understanding of what that word meant. So Sabbath means this holy rest and refers to that on the seventh day of creation, Jesus, Sabbath, he rested. This is holy rest. Now, the word that's used here is actually part of the word Sabbath and part of the word rest. It's sabbatismos, right? And, 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 it, and it's unique, and this is used here. And now, back in the day, they can do this with language. They can combine words to make a new word. Actually, uh, we have a German student here, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, one of the things when I was looking at, at, at German language is they can literally combine words together. So one of the longest words in the world is German, and I think it's something about cows and farming or something. It's just this really, really, really long word because it's multiple words strung together, okay? So this is the same thing that's happening here. And, and why is this important? Because if we miss what is being said here, we miss the context of what is trying to be taught here. So now that, that sabbatismo means kind of this, this, this holy rest that comes from our future glory. It, it looks to now, but it points to the future. And so the word is very much present and future. So rest that comes from future knowledge or our future hope or, or heaven. And so when we read this, um, that's why the translators keep, you know, the special rest. Because it's not just like calming of the storm. And it's not this just Sabbath, like we religiously follow Sabbath. It is that we can live in rest because we know our future. Does that make sense? That's that word of, of Sabbath rest. Now, the idea of, uh, and, and, and understand this, that, that if we just look at the word Sabbath and treat it religiously, then we miss the purpose of what it is. Right? And what I mean by religiously, if we've grown up in church, and how many people have actually grown up in, in, in church? You can just raise your hand so I know, so you got to understand. So how many of you experience being forced to nap on Sunday? Anyone be forced to nap, right? Forced to nap. You know, I don't cut grass. I don't cook food. I, whatever it is, we can religiously follow Sabbath and completely miss the purpose of what's being written here. Just like Israel could miss the provision of God if we don't understand fully or actually walk in what it really means then, then is it worth just doing? You know, have you ever heard the, uh, the example people give? I don't know if it's a true story, but it's, I, I remember hearing it once. I thought it was really cool, right? One day, a, a kid asked their mom, 
hey, why do you cut the ends of the pot roast off, right? And the mom would say, because that's what my mother did. And then they ask, the, okay, grandma, why do you cut the ends of the pot roast? Well, that's because what my mother did. So great grandma, why did you cut the ends of the pot roast? Oh, because my pot was too small, right? Sometimes we carry traditions, and that's all they are. It's traditions. And if Sabbath is a tradition, and that's all we're getting from this, then we're actually missing what the author is saying here. That the promise of a calm, the calming of the storm, at rest, the promise of rest, that's the word used here, is still available because there is this Sabbath rest. There is this rest that comes from this future glory. Because we know the outcome of our lives, today we can live at rest, at peace. It's, this, it's, it's the, the, the now, not yet idea. Have you ever heard of the term, you know, I can be too heavenly minded for any earthly good, right? It's interesting because I've only ever heard it in a church setting, that you can be too heavenly minded for any earthly good. And I, I really think your gospel of Sam, that we can actually be too earthly minded for any heavenly good. And in fact, maybe the example of the church today is that it is too earthly minded and not enough heavenly minded. Because the idea of that we live in a future promise that we recognize today is a really challenging concept, is it not? Like, how do you grapple with that? Like, if we're being honest, sometimes I think about heaven and eternity, and it kind of makes me sick a little bit, right? Because I have zero frame of reference to what that is like. And we carry that out, that we can be so earthly focused that we deal with life today without any kind of thinking or thought of how it affects our future, right? So we can live at rest today because we know who holds our future. Now, a lot of people rose their hands that they've, they've been a part of church. Do you guys remember that song? Because right? I know who holds the future and life is worth the... We had an Italian worship leader and he, that just, that's what he did, just because he lives, Right? Yet there is a truth to that. And I feel like it's almost a lost art. Right? And I get it. That we can have our head in the sky so much that we forget about today. And there's examples of that. I get it. But man, church, don't be so earthly focused that we miss our, not miss, but we miss out on the peace and the rest and the provision that God is already providing today. Kind of, let me give you an example. This literally just happened. I'm, 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 I didn't write this down, so we'll see how this flows. But uh, um, So this week, uh, the past two weeks, it's just been like, uh, um, I was talking to Greg, what's that word again? Murphy's Law type of a week, where like anything that could go wrong kind of was going wrong. From like technology to like stuff to, I mean, I'm not going to go into details, but like just things were breaking all over our house and just things weren't working and Blah, blah, blah. And like the, the, the pinnacle of that is um, when Katie was driving, we had a couple of cracks in our windshield that were too big to repair. It literally just decided that this week to, to break. And it broke. And it broke while I was driving the students to school. And, and there's a big, nice crack along our windshield. And, and it's the timing. It's just, is there ever a time to have a broken windshield? Not really. But when you're approaching, like Christmas is coming, and we're buying Christmas gifts, and we're spending money, like, like it's just not the best time for it. So that happens, and, and, and so the attitude could be then, oh man, nothing is working out, now I've got to spend this money, I'm frustrated, and, and, and we act it out. And you guys can begin to imagine that, right? 
Just in your own scenarios. When, when like, you know, maybe, you know, your kid spills coffee on your computer. And you're like, seriously? Right? Well, whatever it is. I'm, I'm just using these broken examples. Or our attitude can be this, this perspective that says it's just stuff. And you know what? We'll be okay. Why? Because God's our provider and we're blessed. It's a, it's a, it's a different perspective. So this is what I'm, I'm trying to say. That we can live, regardless of the circumstances around us, in a place of rest and peace because we have a perspective that is further than normal people. That we don't have to see life right here. You know what I mean? But we're just responding to what's in front of us all the time. Don't let our decisions today affect our future glory. Also, is it not a perfect parallel to the example the author is using. Because we have a future promise. We have a future promise of eternity where sickness and suffering and brokenness no longer exists. Yet even though that is our future promise, the grace and the love of our Father is experiencing it now. It's like we are literally in the desert walking towards our promise. And if all we ever see is a life that's happening right in front of us without an eternal perspective, then we are actually not living the peace and the rest made available to us now. Can you imagine knowing that you had something and you didn't use it? You had something I can't think of a good example that really fits it in. Sometimes people use the example, can you imagine if you had thousands of dollars in your account and you didn't use it? I mean, who doesn't know that, right? But it's literally like, there isn't a good example because literally we know. But if we are too earthly focused, then we're missing the promise made available right now. And, and, and like, I, I'm not going to pretend to know what it's going to feel like we're in heaven, I, I don't. But I can imagine it's probably going to be a moment where like, no. <laughs> right? Like, oh, really? Oh, man. It's kind of like the feeling of, you know, you're looking for a tool. I'm very disorganized. And so I have a, I have a really good habit of buying multiples of things. Why? Because I don't know where I put it the first time. You know? Oh, man. I use this thing once every two years. I, I probably own like the world's largest collection of multi-tools for my instruments. Because every time I'm looking to do anything on my instrument, I can't find the tool I need. And so what do I do? I just go buy it. And you ever have that moment where you like open a drawer and you're like, no. <laughs> Don't let our response today affect our future glory. But instead, imagine if we actually can live our future glory right now. The promise of wholeness, salvation, deliverance. So now we continue. Verses 12 to 13. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. 
everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes to him whom we must give account. Let's pause there. We see two key words, alive and active. That is where I got kind of the intro. This is why I keep saying things like, uh, one of my favorite sayings is we're designed to thrive. Other people say, you know, designed to reign or, 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 or made to conquer, whatever it is. That word alive is literally the word dynamic. It's, it, it's, 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 we get our English word dynamic from it. So the word of God is dynamic and it's the active is the word energy. It energizes. It is the energizer bunny. Okay, so the word of God is alive and active. Now, here is it's what's important. This is why language matters. So that word, word, if you've grown up in church, like a lot of us have, probably have heard the word logos. Have you guys ever heard of logos before? There's literally Bible software called logos. And sometimes it's only referred to as the, the scripture. But it literally is translated, understood as the spoken or the uttered word of God. There is a spoken element to logos. And understand that, that in our cultural context, this idea is, is a little hard to understand. So um, we understand logos as, or, or the word of God as literally the written word of God. And, and so... Uh, even like there's, you know, evangelical schools of thought that go both ways. I'm not going to go everywhere, right? But there's, there's people who are like, the gifts don't longer exist because we have the word of God. Maybe you've heard of that. And there's other people who are like, gift, 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 right? And there's the two extremes, right? But regardless of what camp you find yourself in, there's something that both agree. Literally, the word logos literally means the uttered word of God. Right? And the idea is that as, as the Holy Spirit divinely inspired Scripture and it was written, it was spoken. Right? And so the, the tradition, the Jewish tradition, it follows this. That's why in Jewish tradition, they read out the Scriptures. That's why they have Scriptures tied to their forehand and their place because they read out. They speak. All their songs are spoken out Scripture. It's always spoken out. It is an oral tradition. And it's the same thing with everything written in the New Testament. Every letter written was designed to be spoken out. Right? It was spoken out. It was read out. It was, it, it was spoken. And, and if we look at, at early, early church history, it was taken. And then they would speak. And they would speak back. But you know, they would say this. And then what does this mean? And they, it was always this spoken tradition. And, and, and it, it, it's literally spoken. Uh, logos is spoken. And so if we look at that, we literally get energy from things like the preaching, teaching, fellowship, connection, from, from things like, like prayer, declaring out loud, uh, um, worship, saying out loud the truth of God's goodness. Wherever that is found and wherever we are doing that, that's how we get the spiritual energy. That's how we get this physical energy, when we are speaking the word of God, when we're speaking the truth of God. And that is why fellowship is so important, because what are we doing? We're speaking God's word. That's why what comes out of your mouth is so important, because out of our mouth comes life or death. There is power in the spoken word. And when we speak the truth of who God is, it literally feeds our spirit. It brings life. And that's key. Because if we think about it, there's never been a time in history where there has been so much sound. So much is spoken. And that is one 
100% on purpose. Because there's power in our words. There's power in what is preached every Sunday. Not because I'm speaking it, because we're declaring it. Doesn't matter who is here. What matters is the content. And if it preaches the gospel, if it speaks the truth of God's goodness, it is giving life. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. It brings the opposite. It's life or death. Our connections with one another, the words that we speak to one another when we're spending time together, speaks life or death. When we worship, what are we declaring? I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear, anxiety, depression. What do we think is actually happening in the heavenly realms and then in the physical realms? Because we have the Sabbath rest, the, the, the now, but not yet. Have you ever heard that term? That's what that means. The now, because heaven is released on earth, but not in its fullness. I speak the name of Jesus. I speak his freedom. That is the divine gospel word, even though it's coming from my mouth. I am not the divine gospel. The words are, and it brings life. And when what's coming out of our mouth is not the inspired word of God, hear this, because we do both. This is not Christian, non-Christian. But when our words focus on fear, doubt, negativity... That is what we are, I'll use James's sermon, that's what we're sowing. That's what we're planting. So believers, hear me out here, Christians, church, family, what are we sowing in relationships, families, marriages, literally our church, our community? Begin to think this through. Begin to apply it practically. Isn't it strange that this section of scripture is in this context. But if we've grown up in church, we rarely hear them spoken together. We, this verse is pretty popular. The, the word of God is living and active. Come on. It penetrates, you know, bone and marrow, right to the soul of what matters. If we look at verse 13, and if I know this was in my notes, but if you can put it up again, verse 13. Um, Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, why? How does this fit with what the author is talking about rest? Because the word of God literally penetrates to the source of what's going on. And the reality is the very thing that we think we need is probably not what we need. But God knows. If he has designed us, to thrive, to be effective in this life. And he understands to be effective is to live in his now not yet peace. Then this is what God is working out in our lives. And I tend to notice, and maybe you can disagree with me here, but in general, when we are fatigued, when we are tired, when we are uh, sad, a little lonely, hurt, or if we want to use a word that we started at the beginning of the year with that, if we're languishing, we tend to pull back, right? We tend to isolate. And this isn't like, you know, extrovert versus introvert. 
This is literally heart attitude that says, I just want to be alone. I don't want to see people. I don't want to hear people. Generally, what tends to follow with that attitude is there is no worship. There is no reading of the word. But there is isolation. And what tends to happen in those moments of isolation? What, what, what tends to, to circle in our minds in those moments of isolation? What words begin to come out of our mouth during that isolation? I just need to work on myself, Sam. But are you? Because this is what gives life. Are we hearing that? Absolutely nothing is hidden from God. Isn't that kind of terrifying? <laughs> what are you hiding from me? You know, it's probably a good thing. Hide it from me. Because I'm a person. Right? I probably will be affected. But God knows everything. And all of it's designed for rest. That's why then he says in verse 14, Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who was ascended into heaven, now he's using the imagery of high priest because again, anyways, it doesn't matter. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne with grace, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God is not like everyone else. Can I, can I just say that? God is not like, this seems like it should be pretty obvious, but in our thinking, he will not let you down. He won't use things against you. Now, let me give you an example. Isn't it interesting that sometimes the people that hurt us the most are people who are really, really close to us? Our friends? More, our family? Doesn't like being hurt by your family like just hurt even more? It's because they know the intimate parts of you. Yet when they get hurt, they tend to lash out. God isn't like us. He is life. Press into the very things that he says gives life. Press into fellowship. Press into hearing the word of God. Press into worship. Overdose on God's goodness. So you hear me? Just like literally take deep breaths of God's love and grace for you. Like, you know, just... just Soak in his just unrelenting love for you. Let everything you do surround yourself with that. Sam, right now, you know, I can't see people. Then, then don't. Turn the music. Literally bathe yourself in the, the spoken word of God. In worship. Hear of his goodness. Hear of his love for you. If what you are consuming leads you to things like anger or fear or depression, then that, those are not 
Logos. That's not the spoken word of God. That is the word of people in some ways sometimes dressed up like the word of God. But just like if I plant a seed and say it's an orange seed and out comes an apple tree, what are you going to believe? The apple tree or my word? Right? Look at the fruit of the message. Bathe in the fruits of his spirit. Soak in that that willingness to just get better. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to continue to grow. Now, again, I understand that when it comes to, like, words, this stuff is what drives me. It gives me energy. <laughs> and it's not for everyone else. But, but I, I, I really want us to hear this. There is a rest and a peace that we don't need to hope for. We can actually live and experience right now. Even in the middle of the storm, like Jesus, we could be asleep. We can sleep. <laughs> we can be at peace. When storms just beat down on us, we could be energized by the spoken word of God. Some of us just need to get into the practice of saying things out loud. God, you're good. God, you're good. You're faithful. You got me. God, you provide. You promise me hope. Just speaking it out loud. Just speak it out loud. We need to get into the practice of surrounding ourselves with God's word. Where our natural body says, you know, I need to shut down. You need to speak the opposite and say, no, you need to come alive. I need to be here. I need to be where the word is spoken. I need to be where the word is declared. I need to surround myself with your word. But enough of my word. Let's pray. So this morning, uh, I want to pray for the three groups. It's warm in here, man. It's a good feeling. If you have never made a decision to accept Jesus as your savior, as your savior, as your savior, <laughs> uh, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. It's, it's, we're just inviting him into our lives. We're acknowledging that without him, um, we're missing that peace. We're broken. But with him, um, we are made whole. And we're inviting his spirit into our lives. This is what gives us that, that life. So I want to invite you to pray with me. I'm going to ask everyone to pray with me so no one's left out. And if that's you praying it for the first time, I would love to, to hear from you. Uh, there's ways to contact us above and below, or you just talk to me today. I'll have my mask available and everything, so if that's an issue for you, know that I've got you. Um, secondly, if you are if you're just, if you're drowning. If you are drowning, I just want to speak life over you. You don't have to drown anymore. Jesus' hand is there, it's extended, and it's looking to pick you up. And so I want to pray for you now and also the altars will be open um, if I can ask you James just go on the side and I'll, I'll be on the other side and, and you can pick one of us or whoever you know you guys know who you can pray and, and, and come and be prayed for I want to speak the truth of God's word over your life because it's good it's better than my words and then uh, third if this is like man I'm good then more <laughs> more of you Jesus amen let's pray 
So first of all, if you've never made a decision to, to invite Jesus into your life, I invite you to say this with me. Uh, Jesus, I invite you in. I turn from um, the things that separated me from you. And I invite your spirit into my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Welcome. You're in. Now, Holy Spirit, I just pray for those that just feel like they're drowning. And I just declare your Sabbath rest over them. I declare that we are in an open heaven. That everything that is loosed or unlocked in heaven is unlocked here in our lives. And everything that is bound or locked in heaven is locked and bound in our lives. Where things like depression and anxiety and fear and whatever, all those things, again, are not present in heaven, have been ruling our lives. We just say, in the name of Jesus, you are locked and we release heaven. Again, we declare that we are experiencing the fullness of your salvation, your healing, and your deliverance here on earth. Help us to see your provision and your goodness today, now. We declare your love for us, that you will never leave us, you never forsake us, that you are slow to anger, but you are quick to forgive, that you are full of grace, that there is nowhere we can go that your love will not find us, and absolutely nothing can separate us from your love and from your grace. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken our soul, our minds, give us the understanding, the areas where we are hiding or where we are literally speaking and consuming words that are not your gospel. And instead, Father, just like the song, we just, we just want to speak the name of Jesus. That's it. We want to get back to the basics. For the rest of us, ah, more. More of you, less of us. What else can I say? Nothing. Amen. This morning as you go, go in the knowledge of the rest and the peace that is available to you. If you need prayer, people are available. I'll be here. Other than that, go and be blessed.